millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, welcome along to the latest Full Throttle podcast. And we're here in the TV compound at Hereth. I'm looking up. It's a clear blue sky. You can hear the birds in the background, the music playing. James Whittam and I are here, and uh, it's quite nice to be outside, isn't it? You've been outside most of the day, I haven't. Yeah, I mean, it's a typical Jerez, a lovely part of the world, lovely circuit, brilliant to ride, and generally good weather. And we've had nothing but good weather this week, and it's been gorgeous. Uh, around about 28 uh, during the day at its high, and uh, yeah, not much cooler at night, just glorious nights, lovely. Talking points of the weekend, Jonathan Rice smashing Alex Lowe's out of the first race, unintentionally, but it happened. Second one... Avra Batista cracks for the first time. Third one, Yamaha and Vandermark come through and win. Ah, uh, yeah, first one then, um, Jonathan Ray. Uh, race long dice, it had to be said, with uh, Alex Laws. There have been loads of passes, loads of action, not one dangerous pass or bad move or anything between them, really. Just some really good racing. Last lap, it was always going to happen. Jonathan Ray was in fourth and Alex Laws was in third, just in front of him. I thought that Alex Laws had just about got enough uh, to give him a safe podium. Uh, Jonathan Ray thought otherwise. I mean, he was always going to have a go in that position. I would have had a little bit of a go as well. I think other, I think every other rider, an next rider, would say the same. Um, he went up the inside. There wasn't any room. Uh, it was a bit of a late challenge, and he clattered in the side of Alex Laws, knocked him down. Uh, Jonathan Ray stayed on, got to the line, but already crossing the line he was uh, kind of apologising and holding his hand up saying you know sorry my fault kind of thing and that's what he said afterwards I've got to say the pair of them there was a lot of hoo-ha around the whole thing in terms of uh, all sorts of the, the sort of public was all in uproar there was loads of things said each garage said different things and things it probably regret uh, for their part the riders were nothing but um, gentlemanly and sort of circumspect and, and dignified about the whole thing. Uh, neither of them wanted it to happen, uh, least of all Alex Laws. Uh, the organisers originally said no penalty to pay uh, for Jonathan Ray. They gave him the third place and then about six hours later on the evening, uh, they said that they decided that they're going to change their mind and they were going to give him not just one penalty but two. We had to start from the back of the grid for the Super Bowl race, which is bad enough, and then he was going to be demoted from third to fourth in the actual race that he had been given third already. So, a bit of a double whammy for Jonathan Ray, which I think is a bit unfair. Giving him a penalty probably is fair. Um, so, that's how it ended up. Uh, but by Sunday, the riders were trying to put it behind him, the pair of them. I think 
probably Jonathan Ray felt worse about it than, than Alex Laws. He seemed to get over it pretty quickly, although I've got to say Alex Laws then went on uh, to crash twice in the Super Bowl race and in the second feature race. And that, for me, was a disaster, really, because although he picked his bike up and got two points in the second feature race, that was nothing compared to what he, would, he could have scored this weekend. I thought he had a, a couple or three rostrums in him this weekend. It would have been a brilliant weekend for him. He had the pace to do that. Yeah, especially after seeing what Vandermark's gone and done. I mean, that's going to hurt for Alex Lowe's tonight. He'll be really pleased for his teammate, but just like Donington last year, he's had a bit of a nightmare weekend and Vandermark's gone out there and won on the other bike. Yeah, and having a nightmare weekend if you're off the pace and it's your fault is one thing, uh, but having a nightmare weekend when it looked like you were going to have a really good weekend and you had some race pace that, that could put you on the rostrum, is, it's even worse. I mean, he'll be feeling terrible tonight and not only that, he'll be feeling knocked about. It, it doesn't matter how tough you are and it doesn't matter how light the crashes are, when you throw yourself down the road three times in a weekend off a superbike, it hurts. Loads of tweets coming in. Thanks again, everyone, for everything you've been sending in to us over the weekend with Eurosports underscore UK, Jim Witt 69 and Greg Haynes TV. Bautista, first of all, there was quite a lot of discussion there. I was wondering whether we might be able to just get back into the race and pick up some points. But as it happened, James, he was too far down anyway. But a few good tweets coming in saying perhaps more than anything, they just use it as an opportunity to check the bike and maybe test a few little things. Yeah, I don't know whether that's the case because they didn't really have time to put that. But I did think of that, but they didn't really have time to put that bike back to absolute standard and perfect condition. You know, it was still bent bits on it. Uh, and you wouldn't go testing with a bike that wasn't in perfect condition. No point testing the on a bike that isn't normal anyway um, so I don't think that was any testing I thought they got him back out there again and then I think they would have been looking through the rule books and thinking right will we get points will we get points you know if somebody else drops out but the fact is that you have to complete a certain distance and I think it's two thirds unless you uh, complete two thirds distance you are deemed and it might not be that I'm, I'm kind of guessing but I know there is a figure that unless you complete that amount of laps um, and a percentage of the, the the whole complete race, you're not deemed as a finisher anyway. So um, I don't think it was ever, ever going to get any points. It was smart though, wasn't it? I suppose if there was ever a doubt, they might as well send him back out. That's the better thing to do than sitting in the pits and then finding, finding out, out later. Could have sent him yeah. Out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Other random tweets coming in. Uh, I'll just check some of these while we're chatting away. But just to go back first of all to what happened on Saturday, because we obviously can't ignore that. I don't want to, you know be too dramatic about the whole thing but we never really got a clarification from the stewards did we but we don't have to get one they're not actually allowed to speak to the journalists and the reporters that's why they've been told that by the FIM bosses so in fact we were told the only person we could really chat with is Jorge Viegas who's the FIM president himself who's actually not here but that's it isn't it really if the stewards make a decision everyone has to respect the decision but what is interesting is it took a Yamaha appeal which they won to actually, uh, or a Yamaha protest, sorry, to get that appealed. And in the end, quite a harsh penalty on Ray to give him a double penalty, maybe. Yeah, the whole procedure seemed a bit sort of skewed, didn't it? Um, I mean, it was a... The move was never on, was it? I mean, I'm not defending no, the move. I mean, it the, was never going to happen. The move was a move. Uh, but the, then either a penalty is given or not, I thought a penalty was probably... Uh, appropriate. Um, it was expected, wasn't it? I think it was expected, probably expected by Jonathan as well. Um, but it was the way they went about it. First, they didn't give him a penalty, and he went to the rostrum and sprayed the champagne. In actual fact, he didn't. It was subdued anyway, having had what had happened. Um, and then hours later, they decided after a bit of a rant from uh, Yamaha, which I, I've got to say was fair enough from their point of view, they're trying to do all they can for themselves. Uh, the re decision was reversed, which is unusual in itself. 
and smacks a little bit of uh, kind of um, you know the, the stewards not really knowing which way to go with it um, and then to give him such a a harsh penalty, in fact two penalties, either one of which would have been enough I think, uh, was again uh, a, a bit of a weird one really. But you know there has to be some kind of penalty system for, for dangerous riding, otherwise you get a lot more of it and it become really dangerous. Um, but you don't want to be too harsh with your penalties because what the last thing you want is to have riders thinking about whether they're going to get a penalty when really they should be thinking about making a move and, and creating close and exciting racing so difficult job for the stewards but it was weird the way the whole thing panned out what it has proved as if it needed proving again is that you're never going to please everyone are you there's always going to be different opinions we've had some arguments on the paddock various team members family members of the riders involved the riders themselves have probably been the calmest actually out of the whole equation if you can take into consideration team members family members the riders the two of them johnny and alex were quite calm yeah yeah i've got to say if not the most calm uh, definitely yeah. the most dignified yeah really good response actually has to be said from alex lowes um we'll go through the riders sort of one by one in a moment just another random tweet here to carl smith who's tweeted jim witt 69 greg hayes tv and matt 77 roberts in this case do you think we will ever see aprilia or suzuki as factory efforts i'm sure this means from carl back in world Superbikes. just a random one to throw in there uh the more manufacturers involved the better for me uh suzuki obviously putting a lot of emphasis on MotoGP and doing rather well at, it at the minute um they have uh, a, a a decent base bike in the g6r 1000 it's a it's a good bike it's doing well in british Superbike, and it, i'm sure if they put their effort behind this championship then they'd be running at the front uh, aprilia uh, again i've no doubt that they could uh, produce a, and have a competitive back in this championship but lots of other things involved including politics and sponsorship and and money and all the rest of it but would i like to see a couple more manufacturers involved yeah of course i would Thanks for the tweet also from Damien McKettrick and also from our presenter Matt Roberts, who both spotted this. Did number 55, Galang Hendra, celebrate too early and miss out on a podium? He was waving his arm and leg out at the line while the others ran to the chequered flag. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I have to say, when I was watching the replays, I was focusing on the winners to see who was over the line first. But you're right, on the other side of the track, Galang Hendra was celebrating and I thought he just got the lines confused. Sometimes the start and finish lines are in the wrong place and he, he was celebrating too soon, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, he definitely celebrated too early, lost himself time. You don't need to stick many appendages out on one of these Super Sport 300 bikes to cost yourself a little bit of time. The more tucked in you can get, the better, and celebrating isn't going to uh, help. Um, but I think he just got confused about where the finish line was. Uh, and it is, in actual fact, a long, long, long way down the start and finish straight. It's nearly at the end of the start yeah. and finish straight. He's right past the end of pit lane and uh, it used to be although he won't remember that i mean uh, in, in my early days racing here some years ago uh, the start and finish line was really early on the straight it's, it has been moved but he won't remember that but i think he just got confused because some tracks it is magni Corps, for example it's right there after the last corner isn't it and others as well yeah they, they actually moved it at uh, monza one of my favorite circuits monza they moved it nearer to the last corner because the problem was that it was you could work so hard and if you didn't have the quickest bike on track you could end up getting slipstream past before this you could do all the work lead it out the last corner and end up finishing fourth or fifth because of slipstreaming and it, it tended to favor the faster bikes no matter who were riding them uh, so they moved it uh, the, the finish line the start line stayed where it was the finish line was moved to a different place so it's actually a shorter lap on the last lap um, and that will move nearer to the uh, last corner parabolica in the, the case of monza 
uh, and that was to stop any slipstream into the line because it was all and it got a little bit dangerous when you came if you knew you didn't have a, a, the quickest bike on track even if you thought your bike was as quick as anybody else's you knew people were going to slipstream you to the line and they had time to do it so what you did you came out last corner started weaving about wildly and trying to put everybody off and that caused a couple of problems where riders hit each other uh, obviously a safety issue and they moved the line back towards the last corner and we were talking about this in the commentary this weekend. Silverstone, back in 1998, they actually moved the start line forward to stop people having to start on a corner. And they've done that at a few other circuits around the world as well. So it just changes for safety mostly over the years. Yeah, it does. And in actual fact, uh, it's a weird one is the, the starting grid because if you get a full car grid, obviously you're only getting two uh, cars on um, a line of a grid, uh, not three or sometimes four bikes. Uh, three is more industry standard these days but cars only two on a line and bigger gaps between the car grids uh, extend way past the last corner at some circuits in actual fact Croft in Teesside if you're last place on a car grid there you are pointing 180 degrees away from the start and finish straight because you're on the other side of the hairpin correct really? yeah so I guess the, the, the procedure there is wait till the car in front sets off and you go wow so you really have got a big disadvantage there at Croft, haven't you? Clairvaux, the first corner there, isn't it? That's always a, a tricky one as well. OK, let's just go team by team, James. Not through every single rider and team on the grid, but just the top few. Let's start with Yamaha. We've got to start with Yamaha. Michael van der Mark, first of all. They hadn't had a win since Bruno last year with Alex Lowe's. He hadn't won since those wins at Donington. It's great to see him back on top. He's such a good guy as well. Yeah, uh, really nice chap. To be honest, he'd been going, like the rest of the Yamaha runners, he'd been looking really strong from Friday morning session. Um, they'd done some testing at Mazzano, as a lot of the most of the top teams had done as well. It was weather affected. Not a lot of teams said they got anything out of it. Yamaha said they definitely found something, made a lot of changes. Um, in fact, their team manager uh, said that the um, that their bike is completely different to last year's bike, chassis-wise. Um, and it's Paul Denning actually their, their team manager I forgot to say sorry but Paul said that their bike is a completely different bike chassis wise and setup wise from what it was last year uh, unfortunately same engine they're lacking a bit of engine speed they reckon uh, but that bike looked really good from the word go this weekend really seemed to suit the circuit especially the faster stuff and uh, it was great to see uh, Van der Mark getting uh, the results he got this weekend it's been a great weekend for him and, and good to see and they said he had a different riding position as well didn't they with a new tank on the bike it's not the actual fuel tank but the bit we call the tank on the top there yeah some of it's tank the very back bit is a tank generally the front bit is a cover uh, that, that contains and a, and a kind of a, a space that contains a lot of the electronics the lighter stuff because what they want to do is get a lot of the fuel lower and, and rearward uh, so the tank generally extends uh, not just a little bit of what you would think is the tank directly in front of the rider but also it extends under the seat and behind the rider as well uh, to try and get the weight uh, back and lower and, and uh, get the centre of gravity uh, more central. It's called mass centralisation, Greg. Ooh. There you go. Mass centralisation. OK, well, bittersweet weekend is the phrase I think we need to use for Patty Yamaha. Well done again, Magic Mikey. Alex Lowe's, I can't believe it. I mean, he's, we've seen how good the weekend could have been. Obviously, Vandermark's proven that, but we already knew how good the weekend could have been for Alex Lowe's. But in the end, he scored just a couple of points, crashes in all three of the races. It just seemed like everything went pear-shaped after what happened on Saturday. And to be fair, he was riding injured as well, wasn't he? But what a shame. 
Uh, yeah, I've got nothing but pity this weekend for Alex. Again, Alex is a really nice bloke. Uh, you, you won't meet nicer or more determined or more honest in actual fact. And uh, really nice interview, wasn't it? Yeah, he's a nice kid. He's, he's and he's a he's a nice bloke, and he's yeah, he's one of the yeah, good guys. Yeah. Um, I don't think he would have crashed again if he hadn't have had that incident with Jonathan Ray because that knocked him out of his stride. That obviously disappointment. Trying X hard for make to make up for that. Lost the front in the Super Bowl race and then lost the front again on a uh, on a right hander this time on the, the turn two uh, in the second feature race. So a disastrous weekend that I think mostly stemmed back to that incident in uh, in the first race. And we're coming up to the halfway point of the season soon. I believe it's actually during the Muzano weekend now. I've got to do the maths on that one because the number of races has changed a little bit. But he's behind Vandermark again now in the championship standings. He's outside the top three. He's down to fourth. A few sort of whispers in the media centre around the paddock at the moment about contracts as well because sometimes there's clauses in contracts. We don't know this, do we? But sometimes there are clauses in contracts that you need to be in a certain position at a certain point in the season to have certain options available to you for the next year so whether that's the case or not it might be a bit of a worry in the back of their mind he won't be pleased to have dropped behind his teammate in the standings either way no he won't uh, that is a fact uh, particularly uh, because this was definitely seen uh, as going to be a strong weekend for him like we saw, we saw a good weekend coming for Alex uh, so really disappointing and yeah they've a lot more to think about than what you think of a rider I mean contracts uh, 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 complex things a big thick legal documents uh, and uh, they've got all sorts of stuff in them these days even back in my day there was bonuses involved and uh, stage payments and uh, stage bonus payments based on you know uh, championship points and all sorts of stuff so I mean the basic uh, premise prevails that uh, if you are racing motorcycles you are going to do a lot better financially if you win races and do well in races so generally James if we just go back without the detail obviously but if we just go back to when you were, you know, really at the height of your career and signing with some big teams and great teams, let's use Belgado Yamaha as an example. How does it work? You sign a contract. How many years is it normally? Do you normally go for one, or can it be two, three? Do you have options? Uh, how do the bonuses normally work? Just out of interest, really. I, I rarely uh, signed any more than a one-year contract. Um, is that your a, preference? Or? Yeah, both, really. A, a confident rider will always think, you know what, if I have a good ride on this bike, I don't want to be tied into a contract, or I might get a bigger offer for a different championship or uh, a, a better team or whatever. Um, and I never really got offered more than a, than a one-year contract, to be honest. So I always had one-year contracts. Uh, it's like doing any other deal. You sit down and try and drive the best bargain you can for yourself uh, in terms of... Even stuff like, you know, obviously you, you get paid wages, that's good, you get the best wage you can. Uh, you want a bonus system, a bonus scheme that, that works for you, that's realistic. There's no point if you think you might win one World Superbike race in a year, having a bonus system where you get a load for one win and then not much for anything else. If you think you're going to get more sort of thirds, fourths, fifths, you know. So I always had a bonus system that worked, that I thought might actually pay me something throughout the year not one that was meaningless um and even stuff like you do a deal where you get business class flights for your missus or whatever it is yeah you know you, you, you do the best deal you can and that's like buying or selling anything let's go on then with the teams that's interesting though it is interesting how these different things work and obviously all of this must be going on in the riders minds as well particularly in the second half of the season one winning team was Yamaha the other one's obviously Ducati rider by rider there Avro Batista came into the championship uh, into the weekend rather with a 43 point championship lead it's gone down now ironically 
by two to 41. I don't think he's majorly worried, do you? I mean, he seemed very relaxed in his interview with Charlie Hiscott this afternoon. He has had his first crash. The run of finishes is over, but he's still in control, isn't he? I, it, this is a, it's a racing accident. I, it won't be the first time. It isn't the first time it's happened to him. It won't be the last. And, you know, it, it's unusual to see a rider of his calibre having the season he's having do that. But it does happen. It's racing motorbikes. And if you, I don't care who we are. When you race motorbikes, occasionally you will fall off that bike, and, and he did today. The good thing is, uh, he's not damaged uh, his his body at all. He's going to be perfectly fit. I don't. It was nothing of a crash, you know, a bit too much brake. Van der Mark uh, touched on the fact that there was a little bit of a tailwind where we've been used to a headwind going down the start and finish uh, all weekend, but it's been a tailwind just now, and that might push him on a little bit. He might have missed his braking point a little bit, and went in just carrying a little bit too much brake. Down he went, nothing of a crash. That will not bother him in the slightest. Which is obviously great for our Batista fans. Charles Davis, on the other hand, had a really difficult weekend to fathom out actually a bit of a conundrum with the greatest of respect I'm sure Chaz would agree they've been nowhere all weekend and then all of a sudden they've obviously made changes this morning that second full length race in the warmer temperatures this afternoon he was right up there obviously the crash happened with Melandry but first of all in terms of pace they seem to have found something yeah I'm sure they have and uh, you, you don't really change setup of your bike a lot over a weekend unless you're really struggling and I think they really are struggling and they know that and I think they'll be trying things more sessions and most races to make a difference. I think they've definitely found something for race uh, two, second feature race, race three of the weekend. Uh, so it was doubly depressing when he got wiped out by Marco Melandri. We haven't just quite heard as we sit here uh, whether any punishment has been meted out, any penalty being administered to Marco Melandri. I can't see that it hasn't when the stewards gave one to Jonathan Ray for the incident with Alex Law. So, but that doesn't matter to uh, Chas Davis. It would have been nice to see him finish and he would have been, I think, somewhere near the back end of the podium. But, um, hey, uh, he knows it can happen. And I'm, I'm sure that Melandry never did it on purpose, but it was uh, he was a late challenge, was that? Let's move on then to Kawasaki. Jonathan Ray, first of all. What a contrast of emotions <laughs> over the course of the last 24 hours or so. Unbelievably close to tears, if not in tears, briefly yesterday with the Alex Lowe's thing. Um, we've talked a lot about the actual collision, but what about Jonathan himself and the way he, he treated that? It was a very professional response, I thought. Yeah, really professional response. The only thing he really said was, look, I think that two penalties, the, the back of the grid and the drop into fourth was too much it's a double penalty for one uh, infringement and I'd, I would agree with him um, other than that he was a gentleman as you'd expect he spoke about the incident intelligently said he didn't mean to do it we all knew that anyway and he and he apologized and I've known riders who are a lot worse than that and not apologize so you know um, it, I, I thought it was it was dignified throughout and um, no more than you expect from him though because he's he's an, he's a he's a good bloke isn't he you know He's an honest good bloke. Yeah, it was, uh, it was unfortunate, wasn't it, to say the least. I mean, there's been so many mixed opinions in the paddock. Do you think it's right, though? Here's a question. Do you think it's right that people should be comparing these incidents to things that have happened in MotoGP? I know it's bike racing, same corner. Is it right to compare them to things like Dewan and Crivier and Gibbonow and Rossi and Marquez and Lorenzo, different championship, well, it, different stewards panel as well. Yeah, it's different people deciding each crash is different. But what you're asking is, uh, is the can we kind of look at things as a precedent of what um, what should happen? 
and if you didn't give this man a penalty you can't give this other man a penalty because that was almost the same thing well firstly I'd say each crash is different um, and it's that's like saying look I got stopped for speeding but I managed to talk my way out of it and then the next time for the same thing you don't manage to talk your way out of it it's 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 was the incident on its own worthy of a penalty in my opinion probably so you know I think that I don't think Jonathan Ray will, will complain about it too much I mean the, the the big the the sort of man who suffered most out of the whole thing anyway was Alex Laws he didn't get any points and he got knocked about so I think it was I think one penalty would have been fair enough he got two I don't think that was quite fair but anyway um the stewards panel have a really difficult job, I've got to say. This is a, you know, they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't, really. You can't please everybody. Um, they, 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 they feel these days they've got to try and stop dangerous riding in the interests of safety, which I agree with. Uh, but they don't want to be administering uh, penalties willy-nilly for next to nothing because that'll stop riders getting stuck in and getting uh, giving us close racing. So they've got to be, it's a difficult job. I've just found an interesting document here that went out earlier this afternoon, but I'm just seeing it for the first time. And it's a statement that's been put out by the FIM stewards, actually, James, explaining their decision. Literally, this is the first time I've read this, first time you've heard this. Let's have a look. FIM World SBK Stewards Panel Information at the Cherbis Spanish Round, Jerez de la Frontera. It's a five or six paragraphs. It says... For 2019, the duties of the FIM World Superbike Race Direction have changed. Race Direction are responsible for the operational matters. FIM Stewards Panel responsible for adjudicating infringements of the regulations and the issuing of sanctions. Obviously, we knew that. We've been talking about that on the programme today. On the 8th of June 2019, during the last lap of the FIM World Superbike Race 1, there was an incident at Turn 13 involving riders number 1 and 22. Ray and Lowe's, obviously, which resulted in the crash of number 22. The incident was placed under investigation, as we know, and shortly afterwards a protest was received against rider number one. The protesting party, which is obviously Pata Yamaha, were advised that the matter was being investigated, however, chose to place an official protest. So what the stewards are saying there is that they chose to place an official protest even though the investigation was apparently still going on, because something we didn't mention actually earlier is that the stewards have an hour to send out an official uh, report as such. Anyway, it goes on. The investigation required the FIM stewards panel to interview both of the riders in order to hear their view of the incidents, of the events, sorry. The interview with rider 22 was delayed, that's Alec Lowe's, due to his requiring medical attention. Additional video footage also had to be sourced and examined to gather a complete picture as possible, as complete a picture possible of the event. So basically what that is, is that they're going through the CCTV at the circuit, as well as all the available uh, TV shots. Nearly there. As the FIM World Supersport 300 race was taking place at the same time, both the FIM stewards panel and race direction camera resources were engaged during this period. As such, additional video footage could only be sourced afterwards. That makes good sense. Having interviewed both riders and reviewed all available video footage of the FIM stewards panel, they convened to discuss the incident in detail and reached the unanimous decision that the incident and subsequent crash of rider 22 it was a result of irresponsible riding on the part of rider number one according to the article in the regulations and the penalty issued is considered to be uh where we are we now 
Yeah, consumer it with the seriousness of the incident. Well, there we are. That's sort of what we knew already, isn't it, to be yeah, honest? Uh, it just explains a, the delay, doesn't it? He's not saying uh, why they issued the um, penalty as much as uh, why it took them so long to decide yeah, the yeah, yeah. Uh, penalty. Um, Almost took as long as it did to take me to read it out. Yeah, in actual fact, what they're saying is there was a delay because, because, because. That's, what, that's their reasons for the delay. But the odd thing is that they'd already said the result stands early on so yeah. why didn't they say it's pending which yeah uh, but you know yeah. i get it they have to you know i agree with you because even though if they have an hour to discuss that makes perfect sense but it did say results confirmed on all of the screens around yeah, the circuit didn't it yeah but oh, that's well. the only odd thing i mean everything else we understand that we've talked about the crash there with davis and melandra let's move on grt yamaha good weekend uh cortese's been in the wars a little bit but let's focus on marco melandra he's back he's, he's back from the wilderness yeah um seems to be uh definitely found something looked uh, reasonable on the bike all weekend uh like i said most of the yamas look to be working quite well around here or really well in actual fact ran really strong uh just a bit disappointing he made the rash move on davis and took the pair of them down yeah former teammates obviously they've both scored nothing there so pretty disappointing honda obviously we're still waiting to see what happens aren't we with honda to be honest so there's no point getting too much into that takahashi did score a few points at least kianari at least is okay after a big crash earlier sounds like there's some singing going on in the tv compound here um tommy bridewell he's done it right again uh, yeah tommy's had a, a reasonable weekend i think he thought it was going to be more competitive round here uh, having had the weekend he did down at Imola. um but he struggled really uh, throughout practice and qualifying to get any kind of feel from a bike that is technically a lot different from uh, especially electronically from his bsb bike uh, i think he went away from trying to get the best out of the electronics and went back to something like uh, his bsb bike by turning the electronics down um, and i think he said that by the end he had a bike he could actually race on so not a bad weekend uh, he did have a little bit of a slide off uh, early on actually on friday uh, other than that he had a, a fairly trouble free weekend and a, and a reasonable weekend it wasn't brilliant for him I think he hoped for better when he arrived here uh, but he was alright Rinaldi had a good weekend didn't he on the Barney Ducat in the end fourth place this afternoon in race two that's his best result so far I know obviously he's taken advantage of a lot of the problems ahead but that's really good they're making good progress there and he knows these tracks more now than he did with a lot of them at the beginning of the year yeah exactly that brilliant result for him uh, took advantage of other people's misfortune but that's what you're doing racing BMW they've made some progress I don't know if they've made as much as they wanted to but it sounds like there might be some upgrades coming engine wise for Mizano now new exhaust this weekend though for the pair of them few clutch problems though on Friday yeah they had a few uh, technical issues on Friday it seemed to be with the clutch that's what they told us uh, no engine upgrades here exhaust change bike looked alright um, but it's it's same old same old for them I mean I know it's a new bike but this year has been the same story from them you know we're waiting for engine upgrades we've got a slow bike that handles really well uh, and that, that was exactly the same as what it was today. Tom Sykes said he couldn't put himself in a position to get past anybody at the end of the straights, but other than that, the bike handled and uh, felt brilliant. So if they can get some upgrades engine-wise and more power for Misano, who knows? Judy Torres, he was unlucky with Pedicini, but at least a decent result this afternoon. A few problems for them. Quiet weekend for Del Bianca, but at least he's not crashed it. Mercado, I thought, did all right, considering he's back from injury. And two big names, of course, we need to talk about. Top rack, first of all, back on the podium. And wow... I thought he might have a chance to win the race at one point this afternoon. Yeah, early on he looked to be pushing and looked to have the pace to say with uh, Van der Mark and Jonathan. Uh, he said that he lost a little bit of grip on the front end and through the fast stuff that was affecting him. And it's scary if you haven't got any front end grip around the fast corners towards the end of the lap round, 
uh, this circuit, uh, you are in a lot of danger. That he, we saw a lot of people slide off of the front round there, and that can easily happen. It's a scary little place when you uh, when you haven't got the grip from the front. Uh, so he lost a little bit of front grip. That cost him a bit of time. Settled for third in the end, and uh, a brilliant weekend for him. And I think he's on track uh, exactly. Uh, with the progression that his team and he expect of him in his first year of World Superbike. Loris Baz and Tenkata, I don't think we really got a proper reading into how good the weekend could have been because the crash on Friday put them on the back foot really, didn't it? It messed things up. The bike broke down again then after they repaired it and it was all sort of out of kilter then, a bit of a mess. Yeah, um, Loris Baz lost the front on uh, the Tenkata Yamaha on a really fast turn uh, and... Uh, pretty much completely destroyed the bike the tank came off the wheels were completely destroyed uh, the exhaust was off the front end was off it was a, it was a real mess uh, and when you destroy a bike to that tune and when it's a single bike championship you're not allowed a spare bike in your truck that you can just wheel out and fire up um, it has to be put back together obviously using new spares new parts and in the crash you can damage things that you don't think you've damaged wiring looms particularly or switches or any number of things that can not be right after that crash because of the crash so um, yeah I think most of the bad luck that Baz and the team befell after that was down that accident uh, Supersport 300 really quickly because we've already talked about them they had two races this weekend after a cancellation at Imola Mark Garcia won one of them Manuel Gonzalez won the race today Scott Daru was out of luck it's a shame because Daru's Motorport Kawasaki team were testing here as were a few people last week it's like he and the team or whatever obviously the bike wasn't ready to go back out after the red flag but he'd taken his leathers off as well we don't really know why yeah he had a, a big crash on turn three um well between turn two and turn, turn three uh ran over a fallen rider went down the road didn't look too bad he didn't look too badly damaged uh, himself got the bike back there was the fast there was a, about a 15 minute delay and then a fast restart procedure which means the pit lane only stays open for 60 seconds which isn't a lot of time the team uh, hurriedly fixed the bike up. Uh, it looked like they got it just about going and got it outside the garage ready to go. And then he arrived on the scene in his underpants and started quickly shoving his leathers back on. Number one, I don't know why he had his leathers off if they were intending getting him back out because he knew time would be short. Um, I can only assume that he either didn't think he was going to get back out and got changed because it was hot. It's quite hot down here. Or uh, that he'd been told to take his leathers off for some you know, uh, medical assessment or whatever. But anyway, he rattled his lizard back on, didn't get out within the 60 seconds uh, to start the sighting lap, uh, so had to start from the back of the grid. Uh, so he was, um, yeah, out of it anyway. In the lunch break today, we saw a repeat of the 2017 Supersport 600 race. Of course, we were trying to stay clear in the race today and uh, not mention what had happened, but that was the one when Caracasulo beat George Cluzel. And he's done it again today. He pulled the pin at the end, but what a wonderful race. We had top five, top six all together for so much of that race. Classic super sport, really classic super sport. Yeah, it was. Absolutely brilliant race. Caracasulo, his teammate, uh, Kromanaka, Jules Cassell. We had uh, De Rosa on the MV riding brilliantly. Uh, we had Mahias for the most part of that. We had Gradinger. Uh, and it was just a cracking, cracking race was that. It just um, a great super sport action. Um, Caracasulo after the race said that the pace wasn't brilliant because he didn't want it to be neither did Krumanaka they knew that they couldn't get away so they played a kind of uh, an intelligent uh, game of then just seeing what somebody had left uh, the last couple of laps Caracasulo went nobody had anything to touch him 
uh, with really he won by a reasonable margin bear in mind he only took off with two laps to go but his last two laps were sub were lap records sub lap records so he went lap record second to last lap and then beat that to get another lap record last lap and that's impressive riding after all them laps on those tires that is a it's a fair, fair effort i'll still say i think he's a, a big threat for the championship yeah, but he's won two races this year now, and that means that you've got Krumanaka leading the way on 135, Federica Caracasula catching him 118. Just a couple more things, and James, before we sign off, what's your moment of the weekend been? If you look back on her F19, what stands out for you? Uh, probably what stands out um, for me. I'm going to go a little bit different here. I think a last lap of the Supersport 300 second race. Mm. It was a cracker. There's about six or eight of them all going for it. That filtered down to about four towards the end of that lap that could possibly win it. They all went across the line within four to eight thousandths of a second. And it was a brilliant race. Really good action. Didn't need much by way of commentating because we just let him get on with it. Uh, and I think that was uh, probably, uh, yeah, last lap of that six, uh, 300 Supersport race was uh, my moment of the, the weekend, I think. And just to give everyone an idea now about at home of how demanding the schedule is for everybody now because for us for example on Eurosport this was the first of seven consecutive weekends of bike racing Brands Hatch BSB next weekend then Mizano World Superbikes then it carries on over the summer where we've got Knock Hill, Donington, Laguna, Snetterton which is brilliant isn't it so much racing what's your schedule now it's five o'clock now on Sunday evening in Jerez so what happens now between here and Brands Hatch yeah we the late flight tonight isn't late enough for us to guarantee to make it if we'd have had problems here and overrun we wouldn't have made our flight so me and Matt Roberts are flying back to Manchester Airport uh, tomorrow dinner time we'll get back uh, tea time ish by the time we get home um, he's bumming a lift off me actually because he came here straight from the Isle of Man TT coverage uh, then a couple of days off off you know the racing work but I've got other things to do to catch up in between got a little bit of uh, writing to do in between that a couple of columns to do uh, we set off the, to Brands Hatch Thursday we're down at Brands Hatch till Sunday night we'll be home probably midnight Sunday night uh, and then we're away Thursday again to, so we'll have Monday Tuesday Wednesday at home again doing home stuff I've got other uh, interests at home that I've got to attend to so um, uh, it's a pretty busy time at the minute but a really good time and, you know, I look at this job, it's the next best thing to racing for me. I, I, I raced for a long time, trekking around the world. If we had a, you know, if we were here at Hereth and then two weeks later we had a meeting at uh, Monza, we, I, you know, me and the missus didn't come home. Uh, we stayed out here. We'd, we'd spend that time, you know, in a, in a little motorhome, traveling between the two circuits. And it's kind of almost like that now, except without the motorhome. You know, we, yeah. I, I really enjoy my weekends, enjoy being around the paddock, enjoy, uh, been part of what I still think is uh, the best point in the world. And of course, during that brand's hatch, you got one of your chat nights with John McGuinness, haven't you? Is it yeah. where is it? South End? Uh, no, no. Friday night we're at Chatham. Chatham. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're at Chatham on Friday night. Um, we've got a couple hundred people listening to a chat show that me and John have done quite a lot of now. It always seems to go down well. Quite funny. Lots of anecdotal stuff that you won't have heard, uh, even if you do know uh, enough about myself and John. Uh, so we're there on Friday night, but that'll be after two days already at Brands Hatch for Eurosport. Uh, I guess you'll be getting over there Friday, will you? Uh, yes, I will. Yep, um, so all BSB, we're looking forward to BSB actually. I think it's going to be a cracking weekend out at Brands. Most importantly, how well can um, Scott Redding get to grips with uh, uh, one of the, I won't say tricky circuits, Brands Hatch full circuit is absolutely brilliant, uh, but he's never ridden it before and it is different, um, certainly different to where, we're at, where we are now at, um, 
Jerez, so it's not continental style circuit at all. It's typically British up and down through the trees. Uh, so it, that's the the big thing about that. Can he maintain his championship lead that he's fought so hard to to get at Dunning? Because he had a good meet at Dunning, did Scott? James, I promise this is the last question. I've got to ask you because I know people want your opinion as you're so involved and happy over the years. Dean Harrison and the Isle of Man success, Metzler tyres, some real shout-outs there. Peter Hickman had a superb time on the island and well done as well to the organisers for getting as much racing as they did. But what a memorable TT for different reasons this year. Yeah, a very different TT to last year as well. Last year, the TT enjoyed the best weather I think they've ever had. Uh, not a race delayed, not a practice session cancelled. Um, this year, completely different there was hardly a session went out throughout practice week that wasn't affected by the weather some were cancelled completely lots of riders lacking laps uh, the schedule completely changing every single day they managed to get most racing done uh, the senior went off early because they knew where they were going to come in um, and I think the organiser did a cracking job. Uh, Gary Thompson is clerk of the course. He, it's his call on a lot of the things. He, he consults uh, most of the riders on his decisions and generally comes up with a really good decision that works for most people. Um, so he did a brilliant job and they got a, a brilliant senior race underway. It was being led by Hickey. Hickey had a cracking week. Looked like he was going to win it to me. I think he had about 15 seconds uh, at, uh, at the best. Uh, and then he had an overeating problem. This can happen at the Isle of Man. Isle of Man's typically hard on bikes. It's, uh, it's probably the most gruelling, in terms of mechanics, it's the most gruelling race, uh, apart from endurance racing in the world. It's, it's just uh, it's, it's, it's tough on bikes, is uh, the mountain course. Um, he had to drop back. And uh, Dean Harrison, who also had a good week, um, he'd had a cracking week at Dean. There were the two standout riders with Dean and Ike and um, he got his first senior win. Particularly pleasing for me because uh, I'm helped a little bit these days in my tractor in schools by Metzler tyres and Metzler shod the bike that Dean won on. So congrats to both of them. Dean's an absolutely brilliant bloke, as is Ike, and most of them road riders are, are decent lads, mostly really down to earth. Dino's a really good bloke um, and glad to see him get his first senior. James, thanks very much for that. Pleasure again working with you this weekend as it always is. And of course now for a lot of those road riders, they'll be exchanging the 37 and three quarter mile mountain course at the Isle of Man for the much shorter Grand Prix circuit at Brands Hatch. All the live coverage on Eurosport and the Eurosport player, of course, coming up this weekend. But I suppose it's time we say adios and go and have a bit of a sunbathe now here in Jerez. I'm off for a beer. I might join you. You know you can't drink beer, Greg. That'll have bad consequences. I'll have a Clara, one of those nice shandies they do. Yeah, shandy drinker. Are you going to try one before we go home? No, I'm not. Um, shandy's a, a funny old thing. Uh, if you want a beer, have a beer. If you don't want a beer, don't have a beer. But uh, I do like the lemony sound of it, but um, not so much the shandy. See, it's not a shandy, it's a clara, it's a Spanish shandy. It's so refreshing. Uh, I'll stick to the beer, actually. You can, you can have a shandy. <laughs> right, fair enough. That's what we'll do then. If anything dramatic happens, you'll hear of that when we get to Brands Hatch. But uh, anyway, I'll see you there. Have a good trip home. Cheers, buddy.